Good evening, everyone. It's time for us to begin. If you're visiting with us, thank you for visiting with us. Hope to get to meet you and get to know you better. Nathan Thompson has the reading and the prayer uh, in just a few minutes, and then Jeremy has the closing prayer. Chris has the lesson. Trying to keep the songs um, linked to uh, the lessons that Chris um, will be presenting to us over the next uh, few weeks on the disciplines. Um, And so if I understand what he's talking about, I've tried to select songs (laughs) accordingly. If you will, let's stand and sing number 551, Rescue the Perishing. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. We for the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Jesus is merciful, Next song be number 260. 260. I am the vine. <clears throat> Sing all three verses. I am the vine and ye are the branches. Bear precious fruit for Jesus today. Branches in
This evening we'll be reading from Deuteronomy, uh, the sixth chapter. We'll be reading uh, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful to have had the opportunity to gather together again this afternoon to study more of your word, uh, hear another lesson. We ask that our hearts are open and our ears are listening to the lesson that we're about to receive. We ask that you keep all those mentioned earlier that are suffering from sickness and illness and those families that have lost loved ones today. Please keep your arms around them. Keep them in your grace. Please be with everyone as they return home this evening. In your son's name, amen. Our song of invitation is 620. 620. If you're using the book, I'm going to mark that. Um, let's stand and sing number 540, Pure Yet and Pure. Pure yet and pure, I would be. Good evening. It's good to see each one of you back with us tonight. 
the problem with planning out uh, what I'm going to talk about for a whole year is I changed my mind. So <laughs> some of the, uh, the things I may have told Rick earlier, I may have changed my mind on, and I'm not even sure. So <laughs> if, if the, the songs didn't match the lesson tonight, that is my fault. Um, so now I want to talk about Bible study. We're, we're talking about the spiritual disciplines on Sunday nights now. So one of the things that I wanted to think through with us is, is Bible study. I think it is the most important spiritual discipline. And I think that for a, several reasons, but the main one is every other discipline pours out of Bible study. For example, prayer is influenced by your understanding of God. Often we pray scripture. Uh, often we realign our thoughts in prayer because of what something because of something scripture has said. And so I think Bible study is is probably the most important spiritual discipline uh, out there. And so I wanted to start maybe kick off this series helping us think through Bible study. So I was looking through some research this week and found this uh, USA News um, journal had taken a survey several years ago, maybe about five or six years ago, and they asked people, just the general populace, how many people read their Bibles on a daily basis? Do you know the number? You want to take a guess real quick? It's about 10%. About 10% of the general populace reads their Bible every day, and we think, well, that's the general populace. We don't expect them to be steeped in Scripture, do we? We expect them to be steeped in other things, but not necessarily Scripture, but certainly the church. The church ought to be steeped in Scripture, right? We need to be in the Word. We are people of the Word, right? That's how we've been known for centuries, people of the Word. So we ought to be in it on a regular basis, right? The Barna uh, Research Foundation did a study among churches it's not just Churches of Christ, it's Christendom in general. But they found about 18% of Christians, people who claim to follow Christ, 18% of Christians read their Bible on a daily basis. That's about one, or it's almost two out of every 10 people. Two out of every 10 people who claim to be Christians actually read the Bible every day. Something's up with that, right? If we're going to be His people, if we're going to adhere to His laws, if we're going to know Him, we have to be able to read the Bible. Uh, he wrote a book in which He revealed Himself to us. If we're not taking advantage of that, it is to our detriment. Psalm chapter 1 is where I want to start tonight. Psalm chapter 1 there are a lot, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot of passages that talk about how we should meditate on Scripture. Uh, I've, I've read through it, like, like you guys have read through, several of you have read through Scripture, read the whole story, right? Um, most of us have probably read through it several times, and maybe you're, you're on your way to that, and, and that's good. I think reading through it as a whole is important, because it is one big story, right? Uh, and so you need to be able to connect the dots from creation all the way to 
new creation in heaven. You need, to, you need to know the story and the overarching themes found in this story. You need to know those things. But I'm a bigger proponent of meditation than I am in simply reading through Scripture. Uh, several of us try to read through Scripture uh, in a year. And there are some parts of Scripture that, that would be fine doing, I suppose. But there are other parts, and a great many other parts, that that does an incredible disservice to. To read them very quickly, very thoughtlessly, just to get our three or four chapters in a day, that does harm to the text, and that does harm to us, because we think we've accomplished something when we haven't really accomplished all that much. We've, we've, we're reading the story, and that's good, and that's significant, and that's necessary, right? But there's this component of meditation that He demands from us, and that we have to oblige him with. So let's walk through some of these passages. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. The Psalms is a curated book, right? These Psalms, Psalm 1 was not written before Psalm 2. Psalm 2 wasn't written before Psalm 3, and Psalm 150 wasn't written last. Somebody at the end of our, during the exile, came along and started putting these things together in a specific way, I think, in an inspired way, uh, and so this Psalm 1 is how the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the opening door to the Psalms. And he, so he kind of sets the scene for this incredible book that tells us not only about God, but tells us about ourselves too. Uh, it's Him talking to us, about us, talking to Him. And so it, Psalms is a unique book. You guys know I like Psalms, but uh, I think it's just so power-packed. But here in Psalm chapter 1... Verse 1, you find this idea of meditation. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, this righteous man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Day and night. He never stops meditating. This righteous man never stops meditating on God's word. Meditate is kind of a funny word, isn't it? Because our culture and our, our world, really, Americans don't meditate on a whole lot, do we? <laughs> when you think meditation, you probably think of a Buddhist monk or somebody in, in monk clothing, right? And they're meditating. The goal of, of that kind of meditation is to, to empty your mind, I suppose. But biblically speaking, if we're going to use this word the way that God has defined it, meditation means to feel your mind. You're not emptying your mind. You're filling your mind with something very specific. You're filling your mind with His Word. Philippians 4, Paul talks about uh, this variety of things. If anything's good, if anything's honorable, if anything's peaceful. These things, you think on these things. That, that's kind of what the psalmist is trying to get at here. He meditates. This righteous man meditates on God's law day and night, all the time. Nathan read for you the, the Deuteronomy 6. It's commonly known as the Shema. It's um, incredibly important to uh, Judaism. Still to this day, it's incredibly important to Judaism. Um, they have taken it very literally. And so when, when in Deuteronomy 6, uh, they say, uh, Moses says, you need to bind these, these, these words um, on your foreheads. Um, 
and on your wrists and on your doorposts. They, they've literally done that. They've written scripture down and put it in little tubes that they keep on their, their wrists and their, their foreheads and on the doorposts and above their doors and things like that. And that's never really what he intended. He intended for them to write these things, not on their doorposts, but on their hearts. And eventually, David would get there, right? And eventually, Jeremiah would say that this brand new covenant that God is, is building in the world, the church, everyone would have his law written on their hearts. And so the word is written on your hearts and you're writing it on there daily, right? Thanks to the meditation that we have on scripture. Thanks to our continual meditation on scripture. This is something that we do all the time. Psalm 119 Interesting little tidbit about Psalm 119. It is in the exact middle of the Bible. So everything before it and everything after it talks about God's Word. It is God's Word. And so Psalm 119 is all about the Word. Um, you should read it. It is incredibly long, and it's also incredibly beautiful, power-packed. I want to point you to Psalm 119, verse 97. Listen to the psalmist. He says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day, right? Your commandments, your, compa- your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. <clears throat> Psalm 119 extols uh, the, the, the power of the word. And so we need to meditate on this book. There's some words in here that you need to focus on, some thoughts, principles that you need to focus on, passages that you need to focus on. Reading through it very quickly, like we've talked about in the past, is not the best way to read this book. God has emptied his thoughts. It's not the way I want to phrase that. He has revealed himself to us in the form of a book. You're not going to be able to grab it all in one sitting, right? Does that make sense? You're not going to be able to grab everything God has written in this book in one sitting. You need to meditate on it. You need to spend some time with it. Pick a passage and focus on that passage for this week or for at least this day. And just mull it over in your mind and think about what it means to you. In Acts chapter 17, we meet... Uh, this congregation, Paul has left uh, the, the Thessalonican congregation, he's left the Philippian congregation thanks to some uh, riots that have forced him out of their cities. And he's come to the last city in the region of Macedonia where he's going to be doing some work. Um, and when he comes to the Bereans, Luke notates that these people are more noble than those who are in Thessalonica. Do you remember why? Because they were happy to sit down and search out the scriptures to make sure that what Paul was saying was true, was true. They were willing to meditate on these things. We need to be willing to meditate on them. We need to be willing to put in the time. Um, flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to get into some practical stuff for you, but I wanted to set the scene real quick here for us just to remind us how important this is. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want this series to be something that you put into practice. So I think what I'm thinking now is maybe we'll deal with one of these a month. 
Uh, so next month, we'll, maybe we'll go on to prayer. And we'll do some, some other lessons on Sunday night in the middle of this. And so you'll be able to put into practice the practical principles. How about that for a double alliteration? Practical principles that we talk about throughout this, this series. So it's kind of what I'm thinking. So over the next month or so, uh, you'll be able to, to work the, the spiritual discipline of Bible study, meditation. Um, if you don't use the methods that we talk about tonight, that's fine. Maybe you've got your own methods, but uh, let's, let's get into meditation of Scripture. So this is what Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. He says, when you come, he's talking to Timothy, right? The son of the faith, the man he trusts, I'm assuming, more than anyone else on the planet. Uh, he knows he's about to die. Um, he's in prison. He's not. All of his movements have been restricted. But Timothy can still come to him. And so Tim, Paul says to Timothy, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. So he's left a cloak, something that keeps him warm at night with his buddy at Troas. And he says, hey, Timothy, when you come to me, you bring that thing that keeps, me, that keeps my body warm. Bring the cloak with you. Also, the books, and above all, above, if you forget the cloak, you need to remember the parchments. Isn't that interesting? He says, bring the thing that keeps my, my body warm, but above all else, you bring the thing that keeps my soul warm. Right? Bring the thing that warms up my soul. He wants the parchments. This is, no doubt, it's the Old Testament scriptures. The, these are the Hebrew scriptures that he's, he's asking for. He wants the Old Testament in his hands. Now, you know Paul. You, you've read through these letters just like I have. Um, but think with me just for a second about some of the things that Paul has done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says that he went to heaven. He has a vision in which God sees him heaven, see, allows him to see heaven. Paul's humble enough that he says, I know, I know a man that this happened to. But most scholars think that it's Paul that this thing has happened to. And so Paul has seen heaven. Um, he's also seen the resurrected Jesus, right? In Acts chapter 1, we learn that Paul sees Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, and there he has an encounter with the resurrected Christ. He's also experienced the Holy Spirit's power to do miracles through him. He's been doing these miracles firsthand. Uh, on one occasion, he's bit by a viper. And all the people thought, oh, surely this man's a murderer. And he's deserving of death because he was uh, saved from a shipwreck. And now the, the snakes bit him and now he's going to die. But Paul just shakes it off into the fire and he doesn't die. He does a multiplicity of things like this through the Holy Spirit's power. Paul even wrote scripture himself. Peter tells us that in his letter, that even during his lifetime, his letters were considered authoritative as God's word. So Paul is writing scripture himself, yet check this out. He, continuing, he continued studying scripture until the day he died. Isn't that amazing? I, I, it kind of throws me for a loop there for a second. Because Paul has all these incre this incredible pedigree. Now, this incredible resume, if anybody has the opportunity to have some lacks in their study of Scripture, it's Paul. Here's this incredible giant in the faith who's done arguably more for Christ than, than the other 11. But he studies Scripture until the day he dies. 
and is passionate about it, right? If Paul studies scripture like that, you better believe I've got it too. You better believe you have to as well. And so how are we going to go about doing this? Well, let me give you some pointers. Uh, maybe flip over to Hebrews 13. This is where we were this morning. Uh, I thought through, thought through this a little bit. and Some of these are things I use and some of these are new to me as well. Um, but rewrite the text in your own words. So if you've got a passage that you're, you're trying to study, you need to spend enough time with that passage that it sinks down inside your heart, that it changes who you are. Because these aren't just words, right? These is, this is God's mind being dumped out into a book. This is incredibly special. This time with Him is incredibly special. We shouldn't take it for granted. It's not like picking up the latest novel that you've read, right? A lot of us read great novels, and it's really fun to just walk through this world that the author has created. This, this book's not like that. This book demands attention. It demands focus. And so how are we going to focus in a microwave generation where we want things very quickly, right? How do you learn to focus? If you've ever been reading through Scripture and you got bored... Or you fell asleep? Or you got distracted? How many times have we been there? Right? We all get there. We have to train our minds how to focus. So here's a couple of ways. You rewrite the passage in your own words. So here's, here's what I did. Hebrews 13, uh, let's see, 10 through 16. He, he, this is where he talks about the altar and the Jewish people not having any right to, to eat at this altar. Um, I rewrote it like this. I said, because of this, we're happy to endure all the degradations that come with being ostracized from Judaism or from our culture. We're happy to bear his reproach because we focus on the afterlife. So what happens here doesn't matter so much. Since Jesus has secured this afterlife for us with his death, the only reasonable response is to praise him and sacrifice our lives for him. Uh, we recognize there are others in this blood-bought group, so we share our resources with them because that's what makes God happy. You focus on this section, this passage of Scripture, long enough that you can write it in your own words. You need pen and paper. If you're going to meditate on Scripture, you need pen and paper. This is not something you do frivolously. I'm not saying... Don't use your cell phones. Cell phones fine, but you need some sort of writing instrument, some way to record your thoughts, to spend a little bit more time with the text. Because if you just run through this passage very quickly, you will miss what he's trying to say, and you will have not met the meditation obligation um, that Scripture lays out for us. So one of the ways that you can do this is rewrite the text in your own words. Another way, write down a principle you get from every paragraph. Flip over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel 1. This is Hannah's story. We talked about Hannah during Mother's Day. And this is one of the principles I used to, to walk through her story in a helpful way. But it's also something that you can do. Just You don't have to be preparing a lesson to, to use this method. Uh, this is meditation of Scripture. It, you get so much more from it than just reading through it very quickly. Again, this is not a novel. It is a story, right? It's God's 
grand story of salvation and bringing us to himself, reconciling us back when we were still sinners, he came. It's, it's that big, beautiful story, but it's deep. Um, and, and you can't just read this, this book like a novel, um, at least not just like a novel. I think, like I said earlier, there is some value in reading it that way. Don't read it that way alone. Um, you need to spend time with this text, spend time with these passages. First Samuel chapter 1, uh, Hannah is uh, distraught, is uh, deeply grieved, I think is how some translations uh, portray her here, over uh, her, her barrenness. She's not able to have a child, uh, and she is just broken by this. And so, uh, look in First Samuel chapter 1, uh, I kind of paraphrase this, this section from 12 through 28. If you go back through and you read this, this little section, 1 Samuel 1, 12 through 28, it talks an awful lot about her prayer. Um, Hannah goes to the temple and she prays there. And you, you remember this story, of course. And Eli sees her. She, he thinks she's drunk and all this, all this stuff that's going on there. Um, but if you stop and contemplate what he's trying to get across here, uh, you'll see a principle jump out at you. From every paragraph in Scripture, from every section of Scripture, there will be at least one principle that jumps out at you. And one of the things that jumped out me to me from this passage is prayer, is the incredible power uh, of prayer. Godly people take a lot of comfort in prayer. You see Hannah praying here. She could have done anything, right? She could have gone to any, any, any place. Uh, she goes to where God's presence is said to dwell, and she talks to Him. Godly people take a lot of comfort in prayer prayer, not so much in uh, other things necessarily, but our first resource is, is prayer. Uh, through Hannah's prayer, her womb was opened. Uh, her, her, her request was granted. Um, in verse 28, Hannah's prayer encouraged Eli to worship thanks to God's thankfulness, his faithfulness rather, um, caused Eli to, to worship there. And so our prayers affect other people. Find a principle in the passage that you're studying and, and, and meditate on that. Dwell on that. Think through that until that principle jumps out at you. Again, pen and paper is helpful here. Um, turn to Psalm 23. This is a fun one too. Psalm 23. Especially in the Old Testament. This is one of my favorite things to do in the Old Testament especially. Ask how this text points to Jesus. Ask how a text points to Jesus. Psalm 23 is, is maybe the quintessential example. He um, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, and, and so there you start thinking, Well, how has Jesus, how is this text pointing to Jesus? Well, Jesus claims to be the good shepherd in John 10 10, and he certainly takes care of everything. I need, right? In Matthew 6, he talks about not worrying because what? If God clothes the sparrows, what's he going to do for you? He's going to clothe you as well. And so I shouldn't worry because everything I need, he's already provided for me. Um, he is my food and my water, right? He claims to be the living water. And in Mark, Matthew 4, 4, he says, man shouldn't live by bread alone. And so this idea of making me lie down in green pastures. It's the food of sheep. Um, and, but Jesus is 
I think the David, the Holy Spirit, wants us to see something deeper than just the sheep uh, analogy here. He wants you to see how this points to Jesus. And so as you walk through a text like this, it's very easy to, to once you start looking for these things, to see how Jesus is being pointed to in all these Old Testament texts. So that's a valid question. Ask yourself how the text points to Jesus and, and, and walk through that. Spend some time. That will force you to spend time with the text. Because we don't spend enough time with the text, do we? We, we want to run through it. We want to get through it. We want to get our three or four chapters done or however, however much you're reading. That's what we focused on for whatever reason. That's what we focused on. And like we say, that's not a bad thing. There's things to be gained from that. It's just not the best way or certainly not the only way to study Scripture. Meditation needs to be in the mix. And so you're going to have to stop and think through these passages. Uh, and that's one way you can do it, especially in the Old Testament. You can say, well, how does this text point to Jesus? Because they all do. They all do. Um, and, and you'll find some of the neatest connections, some of the most powerful connections um, using this method, especially, I think, in the Old Testament. Flip over to James 1. We're running out of time. But James chapter 1, a couple more things I want to share with you. One of the other ways that will make your mind slow down and focus on the text is to pray through a text of Scripture, to pray through a passage. Um, this makes you spend time with it. Um, again, we got to spend time with it. we got to learn to slow down. Um, I've heard that my entire life as I've, as I've been speaking. You need to learn to slow down. <laughs> so I almost start saying, we need to learn to slow down when we read. I can read very quickly, but it doesn't do me a lot of good. I can read a novel really quickly, and that's fine. I can't read this book very quickly, at least not only really quickly. I need to spend some time with it. So one of the ways we spend time reading, uh, one of the ways that we can focus and make our minds slow down when we get into this book is to pray through the text. Look in James 1. Think through how you would pray through James 1. Uh, starting in verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So if you're praying through this text, maybe you think through the trials that you're currently experiencing and see how they are producing in you a stronger faith. And then praise Him for that. Because that's one of the goals of these trials. Maybe you pray for wisdom and all the difficult situations uh, you found yourself in. That's what he's going to talk about here in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Right? So you, you find a passage of Scripture that you want to study, and you pray through the text, and that forces your mind to slow down. We go at this really quickly, and we miss so much, and we do a disservice to ourselves. Um, and to our faith. That's not how this book was meant to be read, at least not solely like that. So you pray through the text. Next thing, um, you could write a couple of insights from the text. Flip back over to Matthew chapter 1. 
again, these are, these are things that I do. Um, I've tried and trued, <laughs> if that's a word, these methods um, in my own life as I've been walking through them uh, for the various lessons and in my own study. But these are passages that we've, that we've dealt with lately. A couple weeks ago we talked about Joseph as we wrapped up our binge reading through the Bible series. Uh, in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, you find Joseph's story, at least a good portion of it. And so as you read through, if this was the passage that you chose uh, to read through, meditate on, certainly try memorizing these passages. But if nothing else, you've got a, you've got a Bible with you all the time now on your iPhone, right? So you can take that thing out and, and while you've got some downtime or... or uh, why, why you want to meditate on these passages, you can read through this, this section of Scripture and, and think through some of the insights that you need to be picking up on. And that's, that's a good way to make our minds slow down. Um, some of the insights that, that I picked up on during our lesson here on Joseph uh, was that he forgave quickly, right? Um, also that God has been incredibly gracious to, to us, that's something Joseph apparently was aware of, and it, it kind of pushed him into forgiving quickly. It made it easy for him to forgive quickly. Um, when I'm offended, like he is, a, is offended here uh, with Mary's supposed betrayal of him, and when I'm offended, kindness should be the answer, right? It helps if you correlate back uh, Scripture in different parts. So Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away. Wrath, right? So when I'm offended, gentleness, kindness is the answer. Um, these are things that I learned from a passage. Uh, and you don't learn them flying through it. You don't learn them on the first reading. You know when you learn these things? On the 20th reading. You learn them on the 30th reading. You learn them on the third day of thinking through this stuff. You learn them after you meditate on these passages. It doesn't come quickly. That's one of the things with the spiritual disciplines you've heard, you've heard from, from me before. Is These things are disciplines. They are difficult. You have to stick with them. These things take time. You will grow. This is how you grow. This is how you grow. But it takes time. And so you stick with it. And these are some of the ways that you can, you can help stick with it. I learned about another one not too long ago. Um, from uh, one of the professors at Freed, he was talking about this, uh, he called it meditation mapping. And he pointed to Ephesians uh, 4. I'll take you there real quick. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says, just pick a verse. You pick any verse you want, uh, and you write it down on a piece of paper. And you circle a word that you want to focus on. For him here, it was uh, corrupting. So Ephesians 4 29 says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So he circled corrupting and then drew a bubble up here and said, well, what all corrupting words do I say? Well, the Bible says that I have bitter words, and those things corrupt, don't they? They're like uh, sword thrusts, right, or, or, or bitter arrows. And so I have bitter words. I've also got some complaining words over here, right? And those, those are detrimental to me. I know that from... Uh, Moses, uh, from Miriam and Aaron's words in the wilderness against Moses. They were condemned and punished for these complaining words. So 
what other kind of words would fit in that corrupting talk. And you start drawing bubbles. And there's, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 of these things. You just kind of, after a day or so, you start thinking, yeah, there, there's a lot of this corrupting talk that comes out of my mouth and I haven't really thought about it all that much. Oh, that reminds me of another one. Matthew 7, Jesus talked about careless words, right? And how I'm going to be held accountable for every careless word I speak. So careless words would fit in that corrupting talk bubble, wouldn't it? And so he just kind of keeps on going. And, and every word in that passage that you want to focus on, you draw a bubble. And, and as you walk through it that week, you, you make more bubbles and you just keep adding to it. And eventually by the end of the week, you have this big lesson on this one passage. Uh, and you have spent time with it. You've done due diligence and you've thought through it. You've meditated on it. And so we're back to Psalm chapter 1. Because that's what we all want to be, right? Meditation has a purpose. You're not doing it because it is fun. You're doing it because well, God's commanded it. But there's also a, an outcome here. Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 talks about the righteous man's end. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So you're set right next to a river, a stream. So you've got steady nourishment, steady nourishment, right? This is where you find steady nourishment. And so he says that's, that's what the righteous man is like. He's put himself in the exact right position to get what he needs. Are you getting what you need? Are you meditating on Scripture? Are you working this spiritual discipline? Uh, I'd love to provide you a list. I may throw that on Facebook. I'd love it. if you're not on Facebook, come talk to me after. Uh, I can give you these lessons or these uh, these different formats for making our minds slow down and think through the scriptures in these ways. But if if you haven't been writing these down, talk to me later or text me or whatever. I can send these things to you if you if you like these. Um, but I think this is important. We have to slow down and focus on these passages. Tonight, I know it hasn't been incredibly evangelistic uh, as far as the lesson goes, but we want to help you in any way we can. If you are struggling with your faith, if your need is uh, salvation, we want to aid you in any way we can. Why don't you come tonight as we stand and sing.
Einstein. Good evening, church family. A couple of announcements before you are dismissed. Um, as a reminder that uh, this Sunday will be our potluck. Um, we'll have 1 o'clock service. There will be no 6 o'clock service. Also, June 5th through the 9th will be our vacation Bible school. Um, we'll have speakers, and this is for all ages. Uh, remember, continue to keep those who are traveling to Scotland on Thursday. Keep them in your prayers as they travel and get back home safely as well. And they get to they get there as well safely first. Um, also, um, we're, we're still, are we still needing a Bible hour? Okay, we're still needing a Bible hour teacher uh, for the next quarter through June through August. If you can help out with that, please see Connie. Um, also, Steeler Leap will be collecting individual wrapped snacks that are still in the box for Hospice House of Huntington. There will be a box out there in the foyer for these items um, this evening. Uh, so if you can help out with that, uh, it would be great. Um, I know it's kind of short notice, but we're here all the time, so just bring your snacks by. Um, that's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Sing one verse of number 44, Anywhere is Home. Earthly wealth and fame may never come to me, and the boundless fair here I never leave. But I come what may, if Christ for me Me, please. Father, we are truly thankful for blessing us with another day, for seeing us through this day, the opportunities we've had to assemble and to worship, the ability that you've given us to be here. We're mindful, Father, of many who are unable to be here, many on our hearts and our minds who are struggling, uh, struggling emotionally and psychologically and physically. Father, many who who want to be here but cannot at this time. We pray your blessings on them, each one, Father. Heal those who are struggling physically and 
give strength and courage and comfort to those who are struggling in many other ways. Just help us to be an example, help us to be encouragement, and help us to reach out to those that we, we know who are struggling. We're thankful, Father, for the church here, for what it means to us, um, for allowing us to be a part of it. And we pray, Father, your richest blessings on this congregation. The things that we try to do, Father, to, to do what you want us to, to reach out to those around us, help us to be the light that we're called to be. We're thankful, Father, for your son and for all that we have through him and in him, all that he's done for us, uh, for sending him here to, to live his life and die for us, for his teaching, for his example. And just help us to strive each day, Father, to be more like him in all that we do and help us to reflect him in our lives. Guide us through this week. Continue to watch over each of us, Father. Uh, forgive us for our sins. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.